You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. The following contains spoilers from Season 8, Episode 4 of Game of Thrones. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Thrones Y'all podcast here on Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie. I'm your host. Episode four, we are recapping tonight and we are going to break it down. I know many of you guys have tissues already and are in mourning and dealing with a lot of post-trauma. So we're going to get through it and we are going to go through everything that happened on this last episode. So very excited that Angelica and I, Angelica's our great moderator that does an incredible job of an outline and breakdown of the recap. Um, but each week, I love the fact that we have new guests that join us to talk about Thrones, y'all. And we have Natasha here with us to break down the episode. So before we get started, Natasha, Introduce yourself to the Black Girl Nerds podcast audience. Tell us who you are, what you're all about, and what got you into Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Um, I am a uh, social justice um, organizer um, in D.C., so um, I actually really love the uh, sort of connecting social justice and kind of um, all of the ways that it like represents itself um, to the world of Game of Thrones. I think I'm, I'm, I'm just really fascinated um, by um, how smart um, the show and uh, books are written and um, all of the different ways that you can kind of see our kind of real life um journeys represented um on the show and in the story um and i've been a game of thrones fan since season one um after season one i was like hooked and i just blew through all five books that exist um in the span of nice. a, a couple of months really um and yeah i just i just love thinking about all the different um eccentricities in the story so excited to talk about it that's awesome that you've gone through all the books. Angelica still shames me that I have not finished Storm of Swords. So <laughs> Yeah, it's a shame. <laughs> I mean, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, need, I need to get on that. Um, 
All right. Well, great. Well, let's go ahead and get into episode four, Angelica. All right. Let's do it. Um, so just, I'm just going to have to say this. This was a tough episode for me. I thought The Long Night was hard to watch. This one just hurt my soul. And I was one of the stupid people that kind of accidentally stumbled upon the spoilers online. So I actually knew what was going to happen. Yikes. There was another leak online I had heard about. It looks like every week there's a leak that's happening online with these episodes. So I have been, I stay away from social media, especially Twitter, uh, because that's where a lot of these leaks are, are being revealed. And I get uh, updates from like the trade publications like Variety and Deadline. So they'll report this and then I'll see oh, it come yeah. up in my feed. And I'm like, yeah, I'm staying that's away. Because yeah, I, I did see the news about the leak and they, they did leak a character death um, on social media. So that sucks for the folks that saw that before watching the episode. That's so wild. I just I don't even understand what you get out of doing that. You know what I mean? I think I think you know it's just people that want to show that they had access to the footage and they just want to go ahead and show people. And unfortunately, as long as people want to see it, then there's going to people be people that leak that information out. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like low key HBO is like okay with it or like is maybe even. <laughs> assisting this because it's <laughs> happening every week right before the new episode comes out. So it's almost like giving this publicity and buzz. And of course, all of these trade publications, as I mentioned before, Variety and Deadline are reporting on it. So it's just kind of giving more um, attention to the show. So I don't know. I, I feel like maybe HBO's in on that. Yeah. I don't know who leaked it, but they just love to ruin things for us, don't they? I mean, they. I think they've been dealing with leaks for like what three seasons now. I mean, if they haven't, if they haven't figured out a solution to that yet, they have to be part of the problem. I just no, no other show seems to have this problem like they do. So, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> I think it just goes back to just the popularity of the show. People are always looking for a way to know more and more about it. So it makes sense that they're just experiencing leaks left and right. All right. So let's get into this episode. So we start off with the funeral pyres and you basically are giving um, a visual of the carnage that happens on the last battle. Um, so everybody kind of lines up and they're each given this giant, um, excuse me, they're each given, you know, a torch and each person kind of positions themselves in front of this funeral pyre and they um, basically say goodbye to someone that was special or important to them. Um, in this case, it is Danny saying goodbye to Jorah for the last time. Um, interesting thing about that scene is, <laughs> excuse me, when Danny is like reaching down to say goodbye to him, Amelia, the actress, Amelia Clark is directed to whisper something sincere and special to the character Jorah. And no one knows what was said between them except for those two actors. So I thought that was kind of a sweet goodbye because it's not just Danny and Jorah saying goodbye. It's Amelia and Ian Glenn saying goodbye to each yeah. other. 
Oh, yeah. So I thought I that was really you. sweet. <laughs> kind of a touching moment. And then, so the next pe- person that kind of says goodbye is Sansa to Theon. And what I loved about that particular moment was the fact that um, Sansa puts the Stark sigil pin on top of Theon's body, essentially saying you're a Stark too, because she never really got to tell him that before he died. Um, right. Yeah, so that was another touching moment. Um, and you can clearly see the emotion on Sansa's face. She's distraught that she didn't really get a chance to say goodbye, which happens to a lot of us. But um, I thought that was a, mm-hmm. a, a good moment. And then um, Arya, her person that she burns is Beric. He sacrificed himself for her. Uh, then we have Sam who mourns Ed. And, and let's be real, Sam is responsible for Ed's death. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still mad. Hashtag justice for Ed. Justice for Ed. Because yeah. <laughs> Sam had no business being out there. None. No business, man. <laughs> and then um, finally, um, someone that John had so much respect for and, and basically was the smallest fighter there, but took out the biggest enemy um it was liana stark so john essentially burned liana and so he kind of turns around and he kind of gives this great speech um the eulogy kind of echoes that of the night's watch um he does advise everyone to keep their memories alive which is basically the whole point of the last episode was to preserve the memory of men and then he says they were the shields that guard the realms of men and we shall never see their like again which is word for word the eulogy given to um people that died in the night's watch so i thought that was was, i'm glad that they instead of just going into the next course of action for the story is to give us a moment to reflect and mourn these characters because it was a pretty significant uh death or significant deaths that happened in that last episode so Mm -hmm. we need to take a moment to just kind of breathe and like process this for a second and i'm glad that they they did this first scene with this funeral um so yeah 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 and i and i really actually loved that um that john was the one who um you know uh burned the pyre for liana um uh, not only because she is named after his mother so that's like kind of really interesting but also um you know, House Mormont was really the first house that, you know, that they were able to like get on their side when they were um, getting all of the northern houses to um, to fight for them, like all the way back to the Battle of the Bastards. And like, you know, Lana Mormont was like the first person to name him, you know, king in the north and like to call out all the other houses that didn't like show up when he when the Starks needed them the most, you know, she's been kind of like, um, one of their biggest hype girls, honestly, for, for a few seasons now. Um, and yeah, it, it felt really appropriate. And that was really, that was a nice touch. I really liked. Agreed. Yeah. yeah it was, I didn't even think about the Liana connection, but yeah, agreed. Um, so yeah, so we all kind of take yeah. a breath. And then we go from taking a breath to celebrating to a degree. Um, so, <laughs> so it's kind of a callback to season one with this great feast, except instead of all this joy, it's very somber. Um, so Danny um, spots Gendry. Gendry is 
clearly infatuated with Arya. He's looking for her. He's like, where's Arya? The Hound's like, we know why you want to look for Arya. Um, so he, <laughs> he, like, he's, the, the man is, 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 is See, like, you can still smell the bodies. Like, dude, <laughs> give it a minute. Calm down. <laughs> Calm Simmer down. down. So he, like, gets up to go look for his lady love. And Danny's like, hey, you, your name's Gendry, right? And you know, Gendry turns around and he's like, yeah, that's me. And she's like, you know, you're uh, Robert Baratheon's son, right? And he's like, yeah, I know that. You know, your your father took over the throne and tried to murder me. And we're just like, come on, Danny, like, where are you going with this? And <laughs> me too. I, I don't know where nervous. she was going with those questions. <laughs> she has like this weird talent with um, kind of creating a sense of dread before she rewards you. So she, like, I'm like, oh, that's so scary, thanks. So um, basically, she tells him, like, you know what? Do you know who's who's ruling Storm's End at this point? And nobody knows. So she kind of goes, you know what? I'm going to give you a promotion. You are now J- Gendry Baratheon, the Lord of Storm's End. So she legitimizes him. He's no longer a bastard. And now he's a great lord. So sh- woohoo! shout out to Gendry or Gendry. <laughs> I think that was a, I think that's good that uh, Gendry got legitimized like that but let's keep it 100 you know there is an ulterior motive here with uh, Daenerys doing that and even Tyrion called her on it and she's just like yeah well you know this is how I um, I think she said something about keeping people closer to her mm-hmm. or keeping people that are more loyal to her yeah she made a sentiment about that so uh, yeah, there's there's some ulterior motive with that. It's not like just being a humanitarian yeah, all of a sudden. Well, I mean, her allies, her allies are dropping like flies. Yeah. So, yeah, agree. And I mean, she even said that to Tyrion, like, "You're not the only clever one around these parts." Right. Uh, <laughs> so, um, just skipping around a little bit. So, I'm just gonna kind of follow Gendry on his on his night. So he goes looking for Arya, and um. That actually gives everyone at the feast cause to celebrate, but Gendry doesn't stick around for it. He runs off and searches for Arya. Arya is outside the banquet, and it's like another callback to season one. Uh, Arya is the one that is most similar in character to John, and much like John in season one, even though John was forced out of this banquet, in this case, Arya isolates herself. She's celebrating by shooting arrows. Um, and so. Gendry pulls up on her and he's like, guess what? I'm a lord now. You're going to be my lady. <laughs> Marry me. I love you. And she's just like, I don't get down like that. <laughs> don't get down like that. And, you know, so she she hits him with this line that gets echoed throughout the series in season one when she was talking to Ned and Ned tells her she's going to be a lady. She says, that's not me. Um, in season seven when she meets Nymeria and she asks her to come back to Winterfell with her she says that's not you so same deal she's like I am not a lady I never have been I never will be that's not me and she kind of gives him like a little peck and like all right you'll be okay and kind of goes about her business so (laughs) (laughs) shot down So um, we go back to the banquet, and this is probably one of my favorite scenes in the series. Um, They're playing drinking games, and so Tyrion... 
<laughs> like, woo! Yeah. So Tyrion brings back his favorite drinking game. He did try this back in season six with Masande and Grey Worm. Didn't work. Um, but he, he's with uh, more jovial people this time around. So he plays the game, and Jamie come like Bri- They get Brienne drunk first of all, and I love seeing her drunk. Me too. Like, I've never. <laughs> I was living for that scene. I was just like, oh, she's always like turning the drinks down. So, you know, her tolerance isn't <laughs> real high. So it was really Yeah, nice. it, it was great seeing like it was like it was Jamie, it was Podrick, it was um, Brienne. So they're all drinking in Tyrion. Tyrion's leading the game. And like Jamie is cheating so badly because he knows everything about Brienne. So this whole guessing game, like guess, if you guess it right, you have to take a drink like he totally had it in the hole because he knows everything about her. So she just gets massively drunk. Um, she smashed and Tyrion kills the mood completely by guessing that she's a virgin. I was like, really? <laughs> I was like, that is none of your business. <laughs> At all. <laughs> At all. So, you know, instead of drinking to confirm that she's a virgin, she just gets up and leaves. Like, obviously she's upset. Tormund like walks up and is like, hey girl. And she's like, move out my way. And <laughs> like, Tormund, he, he totally got blocked. Uh, Tormund, Jamie did. By the yeah. way, I'm just like, man, because Tormund, yeah, he was gonna shoot a shot. He was gonna take that opportunity, and Jamie just kind of stood in there and was like, yeah, yeah we're not having it. Yeah, Tormund is salty when he sees um, Jamie chase after Brienne. He's like, after all this and this blonde, you know, bastard from the South just snatches her up. Like, just my luck. Uh, (laughs) But it's all good. He gets his in the end. Um, And so... Yeah, he got a little something something later on. Yeah, it was so cute, though, that moment where... What did the girl say? She said something to Tormund about... She said like she wasn't a af- he she wasn't afraid of uh wildling. Oh wild. yeah, the wildlings, like, yeah. And then he like looked back over at her like with a quickness, like his head snapped backward almost. <laughs> and I'm just like, that is so cute that like he went from zero to sixty, just like being really upset and sad about getting shot <laughs> down. And then the minute she said, Hey, he's like, Oh, yeah. Brianne, who? let's do it. Here, Here we go. go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a man of extremes and then Podrick gets some action too Very like that unusual. little group of girls Podrick, Podrick's like ass that is not so. a surprise Podrick be getting some in every episode it seems <laughs> he's the man he can fight he can sing he can put it down I have no issues with it um, and like they even trying to get the hound in on the action and he's like no yeah. I'm just gonna have a drink I was not yeah he wasn't feeling that yeah, he was like, like no yeah. I'm gonna just eat this chicken. Just leave me alone with my beer and this chicken, and like just keep it moving. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Keep it moving. But he does have his eye on a certain lady. Um, I don't think it's romantic. He just hits a soft spot yeah. for Sansa, so Sansa sits down, and that's his little bird. And this is actually the first time that they've interacted since season two um and he basically says like i heard that you got broken in rough and like the hound just has no coos like no coos like 
Yes, she got broken and rough. But, you know, Sansa is not this delicate person anymore. And she just kind of replies back like, yeah, and he got his. So the hound goes, well, how did you get him back? And she's like, with hounds. So you laughed at that. that was uh, cool. I didn't even connect that until she said that. I was just like, oh, all right. Okay, show. <laughs> yeah so he kind of says like it's almost like his way of apologizing to her like if you had if i had just taken you away you wouldn't have ran into little finger right. and ramsey and sansa just tells him like no if it wasn't for them i would have been a little bird for the rest of my life so it made her stronger and he notes she's changed and they kind of have their moment so I thought that was great, but I mean, they're cool and everything, but my, my moment, the part that got me, you know, cheering and clapping was Brienne and Jamie. Shippers have been waiting on this for how season long four. now? Season four. <laughs> yes. Even season three, I think, is when they first had to connect with each other. Um, but yes, yeah, so Brienne's obviously upset. She's making a fire in her room. Um, Jamie knocks on the door, he walks in, and he like does his little like I feel like it's such like a, a frat boy thing. He's like, Oh, it's really hot in here, and he starts taking off like one article of clothing at a time. And um, he's like getting Brienne to loosen up and drink, and they get really close. He starts to take off his shirt, but he only has one hand. <laughs> so, so Brienne's like, I got it. She takes off his shirt. <laughs> And then she takes off her shirt, and then I'm just like, "Is this really know, happening?" And they just start making I it out. Literally, when I was watching this episode the first time, I crumbled to the ground, and I was just like, "Is this really going to happen right now?" <laughs> yeah, it was. I loved it, and I loved how awkward they kind of both were. You know, like Jamie's never been with anyone else but his sister. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's so terrible to say but like it was it was really <laughs> it was kind of weirdly sweet to see how like um careful they were being with each other you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah it was, it was and i thought it was cute that um jamie was teasing her about tormund he's like oh guess who else grew on me tormund that guy uh. and then brian's like you sound jealous and he kind of admits it like yeah i'm a little jealous um, I, yeah, I re- I really love that scene too because it was reminiscent. I had tweeted this when we were live tweeting the show. Like most of you guys probably don't remember this because I'm from a certain era, but <laughs> there's a movie in the 80s called St. Elmo's Fire. And there was a scene between Mare Winningham, her character's name was Wendy, and Rob Lowe, his name was Billy. And Billy was like the bad boy. So he was kind of like Jamie. And Wendy was sort of kind of nerdy, geeky, unattractive. And she was a virgin. So he de-virginized her, so to speak, in this scene. And that moment between Jamie and Brienne reminded me so much of St. Elmo's Fire. So I just, I really love seeing that moment. Um, It was sweet. Yeah. And uh, one thing... um, I just feel like there were like a lot of sort of like moments that were foreshadowing um, kind of the what was in probably going to happen towards like the end of the episode. Like when he at one point he when he says his line that was like, um, um, like, I don't like uh, I don't like change or like or I don't want to like what was the line that you just said? Like it was just like um like the i don't i don't like change or whatever 
and like um later later in the episode like towards the end you see like he wants to kind of embrace the sort of like new life that he could potentially build with Brienne but um I think like his old ways and like kind of there's something just so dark and like unwilling to accept happiness so it was kind of just like a weird throwaway like line that he said in the moment but like it comes back like later when you realize like he's like not willing to just stay and be happy with Brienne like he has to like return to the darkness yeah yeah we'll we'll definitely touch on his departure um later down the line but in the moment it was beautiful and sis was knocked out yeah He definitely <laughs> laid it down. He put it on. He laid put it, it on down. All that practice with Cersei did him good. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so we move on to a couple that isn't getting it on. Um, John and Danny. So um, John's in a room, in his room. Danny pulls up and she's just like, hey, are you drunk? And he's like, no, nah, not really. Um, and they get to talking about Jorah so John tells her like I know that I didn't know Jorah very well but I know he died um doing the very thing that he would have wanted to do which is protect you and um Danny tells him like you know I didn't I I, she kind of shows regret for saying like I didn't love him like I love you and they start to kiss and you like clothes start you know getting unbuttoned and you see them getting passionate and then John pulls back because at the end of the day, he's kissing his aunt. So he's still not quite used to that idea. Whereas Danny's more, um, that's something that she kind of grew up with. Um, so then Danny tells him like, I wish things were how they used to be. Um, could you just please just, as far as your lineage is concerned, just don't tell anybody. I want things to go back to the, the old way. And the thing is Danny, um, if you go back to the feast, Danny was watching, John interact with all these northerners and she saw how much they loved him like torment was talking him up calling him you know the a true king and even though he's little he's fierce and he he befriended his enemies and he died and he came back so like she knows that once they catch wind of the fact that he is the true heir to the iron throne they're going to back him over Danny any day so she wants him to keep that under wraps and I'm just like girl you're asking for too much you're just asking for too much. I mean, it's, I think like what's wild to me is just like, if you knew John even a little bit, you know, he's not going to lie. Like this is not who Jon Snow is. That's never been who he is. And that's like wild of her to even be like, uh, you just need to like keep this from your sisters. I mean, Girl, you have known this guy for a few months, maybe. I don't even know what time means on the show anymore. But, like, they have obviously, like, you know, not known each other for, like, a super long time. And, like, family means everything to John. Um, You know, despite, like, all his kind of, you know, problems, some awkwardness that he's had with Sansa, you know, he still loves her. Like, you know, Arya is probably his favorite person in the world. You know, um, I would have said that that would like his favorite, like being in the world is like ghosts, but we'll get to that in a second. But like, um, but yeah, I, I do think that um, one of the things that I think attracted her to John in the first place is his honor and his deep sense of like 
truth. So like, it's just wild to me that she thinks that she can just get him to be this different person out of nowhere. It's just wild. That that doesn't shock me. I mean, first of all, Danny is thirsty for that throne. She's been thirsty for that throne for a minute. She's feeling some type of way now because everybody loves John. And that's a part of, you know, ruling a kingdom. You want to be beloved by the people. Um, And she's not even loved by some of the people in that very room. Um, who's, you know, she's responsible for helping them and saving their lives. So I don't know. I just feel like Danny right now is very focused and just is in tunnel vision and isn't even thinking about things like how John feels about the situation. And I think it's really unfortunate because I we're slowly seeing this downward spiral happening with Danny, like just the way she's kind of feeling isolated and she's kind of pulling back. And I, I'm seeing a lot of her father's tendencies growing in her, and, and it kind of concerns me. And I know we'll talk about that a little bit more, but yeah, it's just she, I don't think that she's thinking with a clear mind right now. Yeah. yeah. And, and I do kind of, I feel, you know, I'm going to be honest, I have never actually been the biggest Danny fan, um, but. I do, I I have such a respect for everything that she has been able to um, claw for herself, like, you know, um, throughout all these seasons. And one by one, you're seeing her getting all of the things that have made her strong that she is like, you know, collected and like, you know, um, gotten for herself, this power that she's managed to like put together. It's just... One by one, it's all going like Jorah and like, you know, so much, so much of our army and everything. And we, we have seen her do all this growth and be able to do all of these amazing things throughout this journey that we've watched her go through, but that's us as the audience. And like the people of the North don't care about her. They don't know anything about her journey. They don't know how she got here. They don't, they don't really care about her or trust her. Um, and in large part because of a lot of the stuff that her own family has historically done to like the North. So I don't know. It just, I, I feel for her cause I don't know where she could even go from here, even if she wasn't going mad. And I, I was reading one more thing about Danny. I, w- I was reading somewhere because, um, you know, a lot of what Danny is going through from a mental standpoint is something that's beyond her control yeah. because she's basically from a lineage of people that have engaged in incest and she's got incestual blood flowing through her veins. Um, that's the result of how, you know, her father went crazy and just all of these very odd decisions that were made with some of her family members. So I think that probably has to account for why she's not quite right in the head like everybody else's is because of the fact that she you know comes from a a family historically of brothers and sisters (laughs) breeding with each other Mm -hmm. so yeah and that comes into play um in the next scene um when they're basically in the war room and they basically kind of take inventory of what's happening so we originally thought that Dothraki were 
annihilated. The unsullied were small numbers at this point, but we kind of find out that it's basically like 50%. So like 50% of the Dothraki were killed in the long night, um, 50% of the unsullied. So um, they still have a large numbers, 50% of the Northerners, but they're battle weary and they need to be replenished. So um, we also learned that Yara has reclaimed the Iron Throne and I'm sorry, the, the Iron Islands and there's a new Dornish prince, and he has pledged allegiance to Danny. So she does have, to a degree, some reinforcements. Um, so what they want to do, as, as Danny says, she wants to rip out Cersei, root and stem. Um, so the plan is to remove Cersei from the throne without destroying King's Landing, which is what Danny really wants to do. Like, she's very much about burn them all. But Council is telling her, so Varys, Tyrion, and even Sansa, they're, they're pleading with her, like, please don't go, like, all in. We need to find another tactful way of getting Cersei out of King's Landing without having to destroy the people. So their plan is to basically, um, it's almost like it's a siege. They plan on basically starving them out. Um, Because if you think about, uh, was it like season two or three? I forget which season, but basically when they were at war with Santa, so season two, they were being starved out and the people um, turned against Joffrey. So they plan on doing the same thing with Cersei. And they also basically tell Danny, like, let's try this out first. If it doesn't work, then we go all in. And then you at least appear merciful by trying to at least make peace with Cersei versus going guns blazing or dragons blazing, as I would say. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, so Sansa, you know, she's on board with all this, but she wants them to wait. She's like, let's give it a little bit of time. Our soldiers are weary. Our soldiers are are tired they they need some rest and Cersei's like or not Cersei uh Danny's like no 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 no. we have to go we have to take care of Cersei before she gets stronger um but Sansa's like no 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 just hold off but John is the deal breaker in this case and John I guess to a degree is trying to win back favor with Danny he tells her like okay like let's just do it So that doesn't seem like it's going to be a good idea, as do most of their plans. They never pan out. So so they kind of have everybody broken up into little sections. So John and Davos are going to ride through the King's Road to King's Landing with the majority of the army. Danny will go to White Harbor and sail to Dragonstone. And then from Dragonstone, she'll go to King's Landing. Tormund decides to go back north and he takes ghosts with him. No. Why? I cannot get over this. Why is Ghost leaving? He's a dire no, wolf. Like war- He's supposed to stay the with the Starks. Like, what? Like, <laughs> um, I honestly think it was a budget thing. They're like, we don't have the CGI for the wolf, so we're sending him up north. We'll focus on the dragons. Uh, <laughs> that yeah, is that's that, I, I'm 100% sure that's the reason why they sent Ghost up north. Um, <laughs> um, Jamie will stay behind with Brienne. <laughs> At least that's initially the plan. Um, Sam and Gilly will also remain in Winterfell, and it turns out Gilly's expecting. She got a bun in the oven. Ow. Um, <laughs> and Sam has this, <laughs> Sam has this cute little moment. He's like, "Well, there wasn't much to do in Old Town, so you know how it goes." 
<laughs> and, <laughs> and then um, the Hound and Arya on their excellent adventure. They're back on the road together. They also head down <laughs> to King's Landing, um, which is a callback to season four when they traveled together. Um, the Hound has unfinished business. Clegane <clears throat> And um, Arya has unfinished business as well. She wants to kill Cersei, and neither one of them plan on returning. So that's the plan. All right. Mm-hmm. So we're going to back up a little bit back to this big secret because it's talked about throughout the episode. So we're just going to hit a few points here. So um, <laughs> earlier in the episode, John, who cannot tell a lie, tells his sisters that of his true lineage. Um, because Danny, or excuse me, Sansa and Arya do not trust Danny to save their lives. They can't stand her. They don't want no parts of her. Like she did her job. Now let's focus on us. And so John kind of gives them this gift by saying, Hey, technically I have the better claim. So he swears his sisters to secrecy. He swears them to it. Sansa apparently can't keep a secret either, but to us, initially, we thought she was just being like a blabbermouth, but it was strategic. Like, remember, she comes from the school of Littlefinger. So she plants the seeds with uh-huh. Tyrion. She tells Tyrion. Um, she's very much like, I can't stand Danny. She's not my queen, not my president. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so she kind of tells them, like, well, what if there's someone who had a better claim? So she tells Tyrion. And Tyrion, of course, runs back and tells Varys. Tyrion and Varys have a few conversations about this because at this point, Varys is very concerned about Danny's mental state. And Varys has always been about serving the realm. He does not serve a king or a queen, he serves the realm. So, in his mind, if John has the better claim and John is the more level headed person, we're going to go with John. Tyrion's saying, like, no, 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 no. Let's see if we can get them to work together because John's always going to reel Danny back. So, it's a bit of um, what's the word? Um, treat treat. They're 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 saying treasonous things at this point. They're es- essentially mm-hmm. trying to install right. John on the throne instead of Danny, despite the fact that John doesn't want it. At the end of the day, if John is called to do something, he does it. So, um, it's just basically we're 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 kind of setting uh the chess pieces for whether or not Danny will actually end up on the Iron Throne because the people around her at this point are all doubting her. Um, so we'll see how that pans out for the rest of the season. But in Varys' mind, a marriage between John and Danny, which is what we all wanted, is probably not going to work because Danny is going to overrule John at every step of the way. So um, we move towards uh, Jamie and Tyrion, which this is one of my favorite scenes. They kind of talk about Brienne. So, you know, Tyrion's like, what's she like down there? And he makes tall jokes and it's all funny and everything. Um, so they start talking about Brienne and then Bronn walks in. So we all thought that the brothers, one of them was going to die. Like brands all about money and we're thinking "Mm, they're not going to make it. But turns out brand is about money. So I'm sorry, Bron, Bron, excuse me. We are a, a, we are an N, Bron. Turns out Bron's about his paper. So he tells them like, hey, I won't kill you, but I need a better deal. So he gets high garden. And they all kind of, um, I just love Bronn in this particular scene. He was just throwing like shade left and right. Like he called them like uh, gold-plated C words. And it, it was just funny. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, 
Yeah, I really, I loved that scene so much, especially like at the very end where, you know, Tyrion is just like, you know, we could use a strategic, you know, like a military captain, somebody who knows like King's Landing and like Bronze is like, oh, I'm not fighting in any more wars with you people. I'm just going to sit my butt out of this war and like see who like shakes out winning in the end and collect whatever castles like left. So like, good luck to you. <laughs> like I, uh, I expect to get high guarded yeah. like when this is all done, but I love that. just like, I want nothing to do with your war. No, yeah, thank no. you. No. Yeah. I, I really like the fact that Bron came in there ready to negotiate. Like he could have, yeah. he didn't have to have a conversation with them. He could have gone ahead and executed them the minute that they were both in the room. He had them both in the room. He had the opportunity, but no, <laughs> Bron's going to Bron. Bron is all about a price. And he knows that Tyrion is going to negotiate because we've had those conversations before yep. with I'll double it. So I just love the fact that, um, you know, Bron is going to try to get the most out of this and he is willing to negotiate. And I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he goes back to Cersei. Yeah. <laughs> well, this, another oh, yeah. yeah. His money's on Danny because she has the dragons and such. Um, and so he negotiates Highgarden and uh, they're like, you're not even like, you're not even worthy of that. Like, you're a cutthroat. And he's like, uh, think about it. All the great houses were established by a cutthroat. So sit on that. And <laughs> he kind of dismisses himself. And as um, Natasha said, you know, he says his fighting days are over, but he still has a few killing days left in him. So he'll take one of them out if need be. Uh, <laughs> so that's a, that's a smart cookie there um so we go actually to dragonstone and um danny's on her way back uh the iron uh the not the ironborn excuse me the unsullied are on their ships they're returning back to dragonstone and then like this is when you know that they're doomed masande and gray worm have this cute little moment on deck they hold hands and they smile they look like mad optimistic and I thought to myself, this is it. This is the end. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so the, so Danny returns with her dragons. Rhaegal is, is still pretty injured. Um, when you see him leaving from Winterfell, he kind of isn't flying normally. So he's the most mo- vulnerable out of the two dragons. And, you know, D- Danny flies the dragonstone thinking everything is everything. And then the ironborn are lying in wait and they ambush her and they search. Hello. Mm-hmm. How do you ambush like somebody with that many ships? I have questions. <laughs> like, um, well, I saw like a handful of ships. Like I th- saw like five or like maybe like ten ships tops, and they were like hitting in like this little cove. And um, you know, even though this is not like modern day, word of mouth it just spreads so easily. So Danny with this huge force coming down Dragonstone, they would have been known about that. And all, and it's a short trip yeah. from King's Landing to Dragonstone. So all they had to do was just post up until she showed up. Um, so they have these new and improved scorpions, these giant crossbows that are mm-hmm. meant to kill dragons. And I mean, Euron does his job. He kills Rhaegal. He gets shot straight out of the sky. And you're just like, <laughs> no, not another one. Not baby. another oh. dragon. Oh my gosh. Poor Danny yeah. and her kids. And her babies. Yeah. She's, she's like yeah. Cersei. Like Cersei lost all her kids. Danny's losing them too. So, <laughs> so Rhaegar goes down and Danny is pissed. So she goes to attack, but she sees that there's ships full of scorpions. So she retreats. Um, and then they actually aim those arrows at the unsullied ships and they get taken out. 
uh, Grey Worm yells at Masada to get on the skiff to escape. And it turns out to be kind of a mistake. He should have stayed with her because we learned once they're back on the beach that Masande's skiff was captured and Masande was taken. So we're like, no, not our girl. (laughs) And just hearing Grey Worm just call for her name, it just broke my heart. I'm like, oh, yeah. Because, you know, I, you, you assume the worst when, you know, when someone is kidnapped and yeah. um, just hearing him cry out her name. And he like jumps into the uh, ocean and go looking for her like he's freaking out. Yeah, it was hard. So that kind of leads us back to King's Landing and Cersei's looking over um, the courtyard. She sees the Golden Company assembling. She also has all the people from King's Landing rushing into the Red Keep because she plans on using them as human shields. Not that she cares. She just wants them as human shields. Good old Cersei. Um, so she's counting on Danny to fall for the bait and storm the castle. And Varys basically tells her in a different scene, don't do this. It's a mistake. Try to be merciful. So um, we cut back to Cersei and Euron stands behind her and they're kind of surveying their troops. And Cersei tells them like the lion will rule the land and the kraken will rule the sea and our child will rule them all together one day. So, Clearly, Cersei's having a ratchet Mori moment. She is pinning this baby on Euron. Who's <laughs> the pappy? Uh, <laughs> uh, Euron must be really bad at math because there's no way. Yeah, I'm like, how, why is how is Euron buying this? Like, I feel like he's not he's that not. dumb. Like, he's just playing into this. It's like, he's just like, whatever. I know she's lying, but this is know, this works still for me. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll take. I'll be the pappy. As long as I get the throne. So, um, right. you know, and Cersei's like, and we got one more good thing out of this. We got, you know, her home girl, her best friend in chains. And look, my girl's in chains, but them curls are still popping, okay? <laughs> Cersei can't bring her down. <laughs> and it's better weather in King's Landing, so you know her hair is looking good. Uh, <laughs> so we uh, we we go from one twin to another. So Jamie is at the edge of the bed. He's back in Winterfell, and he looks back like backs at Brienne, and Brienne doesn't have clothes on, by the way. So they're clearly been having a good old time up in the north. Um, <laughs> so he looks back at Brienne. He sneaks out. <laughs> Brienne, you know she's a knight. She sleeps light. So she notices he leaves. She goes out in her house coat in the courtyard and she confronts Jamie and she's like, where are you going? And he basically tells her like, I I have to go back to Cersei. And for me, this is leading up to the fact that he's going to kill Cersei. But I think in that moment, once he discovered everything that Cersei has done as far as attacking Danny, kidnapping Missandei, killing Rhaegal, he wants to go. I, I don't know if he wants to smooth things over. He wants to appear uh, appeal to her better nature but he he's trying to fix this and jamie is very attached to cersei he knows that danny is going to kill her so he's going to do whatever he can to save his sister even if she's dead wrong so brianne tries to convince him to stay she's like stay with me like she's having a sand smith moment she's just begging him to stay with her this scene with jamie and uh brianne i thought personally that you know this was about him settling the score with Cersei. It wasn't a breakup with Brian. I don't think it was something where he just didn't want to have anything to do with her anymore. He's like, I got a score to settle. This is what I'm planning on doing. I I can't be with you right now in this moment, but you know, I'm going to go to Cersei and that's probably like Angelica was going to say, he's going to do the deed. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like he's gonna kill Cersei, but in that moment, he's there to save her. He's gonna try to appeal to her yeah. better nature. This is his twin. He loves her. He knows Danny's gonna kill her, so he's gonna do whatever he can to save her from herself. And Brienne's begging him to stay. She's just like, "Stay with me." She's like basically singing Sam Smith songs, "Stay with me." <laughs> and Jamie tells her, "Like, I'm not a good person." I'm not a good person. You know, I pushed a kid out a window for Cersei. Um, I killed my cousin to get back to Cersei. I was going to kill everybody in River Run for Cersei. She's hateful and so am I. And he just dips. And Brienne is left basically naked in a house coat in the courtyard crying over this one-handed I mean, man. I so. was just, I, I was like, you deserve so much better than this. <laughs> I was so, I was. So I mean, I, I expected Jamie to treat her like yeah. crap, like to pull a, a butt move like this. I really I did, did because he's I Jamie. But um, I didn't expect for Brain to like be so smitten by him so quickly. So he he really I mean, did put something on her because she was like, he was <laughs> hypnotized by what she got, I guess. But yeah, no, I mean, I I think that you're absolutely right. Like, I don't think that she he's um. I don't think he's necessarily going to King's Landing to take out Cersei with the intention of doing that. I think he doesn't, I think he's going to try to appeal to Cersei's better judgment that she doesn't really have. And I think just like Arya, just like the Hound, he, he knows that this is probably going to be a one-way trip. Um, and he thinks it is probably easier to hurt Brienne now um, and push her away now than have her deal with, you know, whatever happens to him when he goes to King's Landing. So, yeah, I think I agree. It's like, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jamie. No, I was just, I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like Jamie is going through a redemption tour. Like this is the first stop on his tour and that there's going to be some <laughs> parallels between him and what Theon has done this past season. And even in the previous season, I think he is trying to right those wrongs and I, I don't buy that. He's going to be there to try to talk Jamie out of it or to talk Cersei out of this. I think he's there to, to just go ahead and settle the score and just get rid of her once and for all that you know, he mentions that he's not a good man. And uh, I don't mm -hmm. know, there's something about that line, you know, you're a good man, not a good man, and that he is trying to be better. And the only way he is going to become a better man is if he does get rid of Cersei. Otherwise, he's just going to go back, back to one and go back to the way things were beforehand. So I don't know, I feel like it's not something where he's going to just talk her out of it. He He's going to settle the score and, and get rid of her. Oh, so you're on you're on my train now, huh? I, I am. No, no, I, I am. And I mean, I, I, I the the property thing is something that you know I've been flirting with back yeah. and forth for several seasons. But given this last episode and even um, the previous episode before that, I do feel strongly that Jamie is probably going to be the one that um, gets oh, rid yeah. of Cersei. And Absolutely. like this this scene with him and Brian was kind of like a little bit of foreshadowing like again with that whole redemption arc i feel like he's sort of now seeing the light that you know he's done some really bad things in his life and and maybe brian is a glimmer of hope and and a way of him trying to become a better person 
and that the only way he can really do that is get rid of the past. And Cersei's a part of that. That's so interesting. Yeah, agree. Yeah, that's a, agree. yeah. Uh, I think like the one the one thing that I just keep thinking is like I just don't think I just don't think Jamie thinks he deserves to be happy though. That's the thing. Like that's so like I agree with all of that except like I just don't think I think he pushed her away on purpose because like he just doesn't feel that he has earned being with her given like all the things that he like listed that he's done so yeah. Yeah. he's not good enough for her i mean that's for yeah sure. that's, that's true as well that yeah. Is very true. <laughs> yeah i mean at the end of the day he's a he's a kingslayer yeah. so um he, he took out aries i'm sure he'll take out cersei mm-hmm. um so we go to king's landing and it's basically this standoff it's a parlay Ooh, it's a heart this is i don't even want to talk about this so we got, <laughs> we got to cover it <laughs> um so um there's a parlay uh sh- danny's out there with the unsullied and gray worm and Tyrion, and then um cersei's posted up on top of the ramparts she has the mountain she has kyburn and she has masande prisoner and we're just like oh masande they messed up her wash and go I'm like so i'm bad. <laughs> so angry now um so they tried to establish peace. Um, Danny says, you know, give us Masande back. Give us your unconditional surrender. You leave with your life. And Cersei does her one better. Cersei's not backing down. No, you surrender and I don't kill Masande. How about that? <laughs> um, <laughs> so either neither one of them is going to back down from this. They're not. They're too stubborn to do so. So Kyburn comes down from the ramparts. He goes to talk to Tyrion. So hand to hand. Um, and Tyrion tries to negotiate. And Kyburn's like, yo, you're not in a position to negotiate, bruh. Like, your armies are battle-weary. We're replenished. Your one dragon is injured. Like, you have no you have no pool here. You, you can't tell us nothing. We have control. And so Tyrion's like, eh, you're kind of right. So instead of trying to talk things down with Kyburn, he walks up to Cersei. Looks like Cersei's about to take him out. She decides not to. She decides to hear her little brother out. So he tries to appeal to her better nature. Um, and oh, let me just back up real quick. So when Kyburn did say that their armies were replenished with the Golden Company, I thought for a second, well, what about the second sons? Like, Danny has his whole army back in Marine that is loyal to her. I thinking about that, too. Right. So I'm like, mm, maybe they'll like show up at the last minute. Who knows? Um, but let's go back to Tyrion talking to his big sis. So he's talking to her and he's trying to appeal to her better nature. And the one thing that's always humanized Cersei was her children. So he tries mm-hmm. to talk to her like, I know, you know, you loved your kids more than anybody. Um, nor anyone in your life. That's who you loved. Uh, your children. So he tries to tell her like, hey, like, just walk away with your life and you and your kid don't have to die and it, it, for a brief moment you think maybe he's gotten through to her and she walks over to Masande and you think okay she's gonna release her like maybe this will work out mm-hmm. nah nope. she tells Masande hey say your last words so we focus on Masande and we don't want this moment to happen. And we're just hoping and praying she gets out of this. Some, like somebody does something, Drogon swoops in, like anything. But no, 
Masande's doom. So she's going to go out with the bang. And the person that once claimed to be such a peaceful person, she says the one thing that we weren't expecting her to, to say. And she says loud enough for Danny to hear Dracadis. And we know that she's telling Danny, light them up. And with that, the mountain beheads her. And I'm devastated. Like, I I was like, really? Like, the one Black woman on the whole show, you choose her? And it kind of, I don't know if you guys watch Love and Hip Hop, but there's a clip of um, Cardi B arguing with somebody's girlfriend. She's like, what is the reason? What is the Like, I'm just like, what is the reason? What's the reason? And uh, I'm just so pissed that you was so I was just speechless. I was just speechless for like 10 minutes. I was just like, why? Why her? What is the reason? <laughs> well, I, I I will shed some light on this. First of all, I was devastated as well. I mean, Basandi is the only wholesome character on this whole entire show. She's the only character that's like without sin um, or blood on her hands. Right. And um, to get rid of her, especially in that way, was just devastating to watch. But it makes sense why her death happened, because Cersei is really sending a strong message to Danny that she is not to be played with. So not only did she take out one of Danny's kids with Rhaegal, her dragon, she took out her best friend, like the most loyal person in her life. So now Danny is left pretty much with nothing at this point of her past. Um, And I think that that message is exactly what Cersei was trying to deliver. So if you're going to try to make uh, uh, Danny angry, if you're going to try to infuriate her in any way, this is the way to do it. I mean, it's sad that it had to be the expense of Missandei's life, but it does make sense from just a point of, uh, you know, character driven development. Yeah, from character development and 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 really just making sure to let her know that this is where I stand and um, you you can't defeat me. You you are not taking this iron throne away from me, and I will keep it by any means necessary. And that's and that's what she decided to do. I'm mad. I'm sorry. Yeah, I get it, but I'm mad. And um, yeah. it, it actually it calls back to season three, and I feel like Masande's fate. I don't know if this was planned way back when, but she kind of spoke on her own death. Danny, when she first liberates her and Masande chooses to stay with Danny, Danny says, you know, I'm taking you to war. You may go hungry. You may fall sick. You may be killed. And Masande says, Valar Margolis. And Danny replies, yes, all men must die, but we are not men. But unfortunately, uh, Masande basically, uh, she sees her she basically seals her own fate by saying that she dies in the service of Danny um and she dies loyal to her but it's just very sad to see she never got to you know run away with Grey Worm who's obviously devastated to that never beach got to go and not off. like I'm just <laughs> I'm just like why and so Danny walks away we basically fade out with Danny walking away and she looks pissed like I can just see her like in her head she's like burn them all burn them all burn them all and like it's about to go down and, and that's that's exactly what Cersei wanted he she wanted a reaction she wanted to get a rise out of Danny so this is the only way that she could have done it um if she had killed Grey Worm if she had killed 
you know, any of the other characters, I don't think it would have had an impact on Danny right. the way it would for Miss Sandy. So yes, I, I mean, I am devastated by her death as well, but I understand why Cersei had to do it. Also, just want to say really quick, I've been seeing social media and people are like, yeah, we're going to cancel Game of Thrones because of this. And I'm like, y'all, I, I get it. Like, there's only, what, 10% of Black people that are on this show. And and now they've completely taken out most of all of the Black folks on this series. Just Ray if you've been watching this show for the last eight seasons, people die. Like, it, that is a part of the Game of Thrones universe. You either win or you die. So... If you're going to get upset about one death and cancel the show because of that, then you really haven't been paying attention to this show the whole time. Well, no one's going to cancel Game of Thrones. There's two more episodes left. Everyone, I feel like all the people who are just like, I'm so upset. Like, I'm never, I'm never watching Game of Thrones again. Like, hey, I, I was upset with when Missande died. But like, the truth of the matter is, we also don't know what's going to happen next, right? Like, we still don't really know what the, like what the what the plan is and just kind of what you were getting at like um the whole point is taking everything away from Danny um and bringing her back to the point um that she was at at the very beginning of the series where she has nothing and she really has to like i don't know summon the power from somewhere to like move forward i don't know i have no idea what the what like what direction the show is going to go in but people are going to die and things that are going to happen are going to be things that we don't expect um and if if people are upset about that to your point like it isn't this isn't that's never been the show we've been watching um i don't think it's great to kill one of the you know two black people with like a speaking role on the show but at to your point there's no one left that like matters to danny on that level um and they already killed jorah so who else is left right so um yeah i mean they're trying to they're trying to strip her down to nothingness and that's exactly what cersei is doing and and well played i mean that that's the game um so again i i don't want to seem like i'm unsympathetic and that like miss Andy was not a incredibly well-developed character that we needed on this series because she was the only wholesome character that we had and gave us some glimmer of hope that maybe there are really good people in Westeros. Um, but, you know, I, I understand why that was the play and I'm, I'm not mad at it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it hit me pretty hard. Like her and I mean, we, we do have a few other characters that were wholesome and good. We have Shireen and we have Hodar and we have Masande and they yeah. all got taken away from us. So um, it, it's right. not a color thing, in my opinion. It's just whoever has the biggest impact and Masande's death, everybody took that pretty hard. So it, I mean, yeah, first they, agreed. agreed. It, it was like, it was very reminiscent to me of Ned and season one. Oh yeah. One. The whole beheading. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. like, and like Cersei told Ned in season one, when you play the Game of Thrones, you play to win you or you die. <laughs> and That's Cersei right. is playing to win. So, you know, next episode, we're going to see how this pans out. Clearly, um, Danny's out for blood. 
Um, I feel like she's going to use Drogon to her advantage at the cost of some lives. Uh, even if you think about when Bran had visions, he, there was that vision of that lone dragon flying over King's Landing. So I, I feel like Danny's ready to go to war and she's not playing. So we'll see how it how it goes. But Cersei's days are numbered for sure. So do you guys think that it's going to be Jamie? It's not going to be Arya? And what do you, and like, how do you think Arya and Jamie's journey go, is going to intersect? I, I, Since it sounds like they kind of have the same goal. Um, I feel like it's going to be Jamie. I just don't think they'd give Arya that one-two punch. Like she already took out the Night King. I just don't see her yeah. taking out Cersei mm-hmm. on top of it all. And anyone that's a book reader knows that the prophecy about the Valonqar taking out Cersei means her little brother. Tyrion's clearly not going to be the one to do it. It's just too obvious. They've always hated each other. I just feel like it'd be more poetic for Jamie to do it. And he's back on his way to King's Landing. So I think that's, that's going to happen. Yeah. I just, I, you said it, you articulated it perfectly. I agree with everything you just said. And as I mentioned before, I think that moment with him and Brian and, him just talking about how he's not a good man and how he's done everything for Cersei. It just feels like the writing is on the wall that he's prepared to redeem himself in some way and, and getting rid of Cersei is the way he's going to do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, I definitely agree that it makes sense that Jamie's going to do it. I'm just curious, like, yeah, what's Arya's plan going to be? Because I also think it would be wild if she took out both the Night King and, and Cersei. I don't think that makes any sense. But I wonder what's going to stop her. You know what I mean? Um, seeing but. Jamie's cold hand and his fake hand <laughs> wrapped around Cersei's neck. She's going to be like, oh, you got it. You got it, fam. Take her out. I don't think Jamie's going to live very long. I don't. I, I, I don't think, think it's going to be something where, you know, he'll kill Cersei. And then shortly thereafter, he's going to be killed by, you know, someone like the else. mountain. The mountain, probably. The mountain, yeah. And then yeah. hopefully the hound kills the mountain. Um, and maybe Arya will help him in that, you know. <laughs> Even though yeah, I really want I, Grey Worm yeah. to do it now, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, give Grey Worm the chance one to take really out Cersei. Kill, but he he's earned it. <laughs> the mountain is yeah. he got to die. Like between what he has just done this past week and like what he did to Ilya Martell, I'm just like, no, you got to die, dude. Like you've done some really bad things. <laughs> you got yeah. to go but yeah hell of an episode um so we're just gonna go to some fan reactions um not that many questions this week but everyone just was dwelling on masande um so chandra edwards at lady quest fire tells us it would be great if the got producers stopped using brown bodies for battle father and plot device um and she goes r.i.p unsullied dothraki masande um so to her point yeah, the people of color have died a lot in this yeah. series, but so have the white yeah. folks. Um, and we do learn that it's basically half of all the forces. So half the Northerners, half the Unsullied, half the Dothraki die. And then ha- we already touched on this. The reason why Masande died, because she's literally the last person that's close to Danny. So, you know, while it does look like it's a color thing, I don't think so. I just think it just happens to be characters of color. That's just my opinion. I could be reading it wrong, but that's what I'm going with. What do you guys think? I mean, you know, my thoughts, I, I agree with you. I, you know, it's, this is a predominantly white show. Uh, there's not many characters of color that are in it. So, and it is a show that historically um, has told stories of characters being tragically massacred and, and killed in some way. 
So um, a lot of those characters are people of color. And I don't think it's something that's racial. I I hope that with the other show that's going to be coming up and we go into another region where we do see more brown folks that, you know, that it'll be completely different. And then maybe it's the white folks that are just dying off, (laughs) 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 you know? Um, But yeah, I, I just, I don't, I don't see it that way. This is, you know, it's not the walking dead. Like we can have a conversation about the walking dead and yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. But Mm -hmm. um, game of Thrones, I, I don't think they're playing it that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yep, yep, I agree. Yeah. So here, the only thing I, I guess like I would say is I, I do think that again, to the point that y'all both made that I agree with, uh, Masande is the person that's closest to, um, to Danny at this point. And so it makes sense that like Cersei, who is incredibly vindictive, um, would do the thing that hurt Danny the most. And Masande is the person that she is closest to, right? So like obviously that's gonna so it, narratively speaking, I do think it makes sense. Um, but because the show has remained um as white as it is um you know i i get where people feelings are coming from that it sucks that like one of the two people of color with speaking roles one of the two of them are dead whether it like narratively makes sense or not i i get why people feel that way you know so i feel like the solution to that would be in future shows making you know a far more diverse cast so like, it doesn't yeah. quite feel that way um i forgot the character's name but i know the actor's name um nancy anazi oh yeah thrones like that was a you know a racially bent color color bent character because in the books his character was white mm-hmm. and then they cast a black actor so i wish that the Game of Thrones uh, production team would have done a little bit more race bending yeah. Um, yeah. like they did with that character, but you know, yeah. but then also yeah. they decided to kind of whitewash as well. The, the prostitutes in in the series, because in the books, uh, Tyrion befriends two prostitutes who are both black, mm-hmm. right? And, um, all the prostitutes in the TV adapt uh, adaptation are white. So wow. you know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, love, love exactly. Like, white. That, that, <laughs> me too. Like I, I was okay with that, you know, change. Cause it's like, okay, the only black women you got on the show are prostitutes. Yeah. And, yeah. So, okay. Um, but to that point, Masande actually wasn't black in the book. She was 10 and she was brown, but she wasn't black. She was more like yeah. an Arabic type person. So they did cast um, Natalie Emmanuel as an older obviously black character so they did kind of bend a little bit and even gray worms um phenotype wasn't quite clear what he was so Mm. to a degree they did kind of give us a little bit of color um but uh that actually leads us to another fan reaction um sydney g at sydney graveriel says we never got that wash and go routine we never got that never, yeah we would have liked to have known that <laughs> so like, yeah, we did it and i actually saw a reaction that someone said masande should have moved to atlanta um she should she would have went to spelman <laughs> you know what i'm saying she would have been on yep. youtube with with a hair yep. care tutorial she never got that chance um <laughs> so 
you know, RIP to Masande. I actually wrote her a, a little eulogy of my own um, when I was doing my live tweet. And I said, uh, rest people was in- mad at you for that tweet, too, by the way. <laughs> Like spoiler, uh, you can't go. Like, okay, let me just touch on this real quick. When you live tweet, people should just stay off social media if they don't want spoilers. Like, how do you troll the Game of Thrones hashtag and then get mad when you see a spoiler? Yeah, get off Twitter. Like, get off your phone for five seconds. So, back to my eulogy. Rest in paradise, Masande of Noth. May you find peace on a sandy shore, and may your curls forever pop. amen amen that wraps the episode so awesome and i just wanted to add too there was a bit of controversy about this episode on social media during the scene at the table with danny and john and there was a Mm. starbucks i was hoping someone um, was gonna bring that up (laughs) i i thought that was hilarious but what was even more hilarious for me was people getting so angry about it on Twitter. These things happen all the time. You guys, yes, this was an egregious error. I admit like seeing the Starbucks (laughs) cup in a medieval setting is probably not good, but people make these mistakes. And I love how HBO, um, you know, they kind of were tongue in cheek about it. They actually did a press release statement about it. And I'm going to read it really quick. Okay. Um, HBO's response to inquiries and in response to inquiries from those who saw a craft services coffee cup in Sunday night's episode of Game of Thrones, HBO states the latte that appeared in the episode was a mistake. Daenerys had ordered an herbal tea. <laughs> that was a good one. There you go. Good for you, HBO. Taking it in stride. I like good that. Good for you. Yeah. And um, and another quick, quick point. Um, during that feast, if anyone, if people could spot the fact that there was a Starbucks cup or a coffee cup there, they should have been able to spot the fact that the showrunners, D.B. D. Weiss and um, Dan Bayanoff, that they were actually in that scene where Tormund's talking up. Uh, John, they're all drinking. There's these two wildlings with long hairs and beards. Those are the two showrunners. So they did yeah. a little cameo. Oh, yeah. did not know that. That's so good. Yeah, good stuff. So yeah, stuff. so look forward to discussing next week's episode, and we'll also be live tweeting next Sunday at nine o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I'm just can't wait to see Cersei go down. I mean, it let's hope. Let's hope. Let's yeah, cross our fingers that she is going to bite it because she's done too much dirt for too long and it's time for her to go. It's time for her to go. She took out our girl Miss Sandy and that wasn't right. Yep. So bye, bye girl. Act up um, and you can get snatched up, okay? City girls all day. All right, sorry. <laughs> her and that wig. Exactly. Snatch it off. <laughs> Snatch it. <laughs> Um, well, thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the Thrones Y'all podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at BGM Podcast is our podcast Twitter handle. Also, you can follow us at, at Black Girl Nerds and at Black Girl Geeks. We live tweet from both of those accounts on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Hashtag is Thrones Y'all. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye.